0: Human existence is an exercise in constantly forgetting what we've always known. There's a thunderous truth running under the surface of our whole lives that we bury under habitual hits of dopamine while we check our emails, watch TV, eat, or drink a beer. We've gotten so good at tuning this truth out, stifling our gnawing, unsettled hunger to face it, that its sensations are almost foreign to us. We'd notice it after shutting the TV off if we didn't have a snack ready to consume, and we'd notice it when we wake up in the morning if we didn't have a phone to grab. The truth is that we have thoughts and feelings. Remember, the truth isn't that we are thoughts and feelings, it's that we have them. The reason mindfulness can be so helpful in managing mental health is because the distinction between embodying feelings and noticing them is at its core. Mindfulness is about feeling the present moment as it is, noticing that warmth and head rush rather than being angry noticing that light-energized sensation rather than being excited. Thomas Insel of the National Institute of Mental Health says that when they're depressed, people are locked in the past. They're ruminating about something that happened that they can't let go of. When they're anxious, they're ruminating about the future. It's that anticipation of what they can't control. Depression and anxiety, along with every other mental state or disorder, make for great liars, pulling us away from the present moment. They tell us they're with us for good, and that we are them rather than having them, feeling them, noticing them. For me and so many others who've battled disorder, mindfulness is a viable antidote to these lies. It gently reminds us of the thunderous truth that we love to forget, but that's always been there. It reminds us of what it is we're feeling right now.
1: Welcome to Redeeming Disorder, where we delve into the world of mental disorder
0: to overcome stigma, redeem perceptions, and start a conversation. Hello and welcome back to Redeeming Disorder. We are here for another season And really excited to get back into podcasting with you all. But we have a lot of new stuff to share with you, both podcast related, life related, more podcast related since this is a podcast. But (laughs) what have you been up to in life, Laura?
1: Yeah, well, first, I mean, thanks, everyone, for your patience. I know we keep hearing from people on Twitter like, when are are you guys coming out with a second season? What's going on? So thanks for that. Uh, Spencer and I both have been really busy. And I have been up to just uh, creating a space for people to love their body and stand up for themselves and just learn to be comfortable and free in their skin. But how about you?
0: That's uh, a more worthy cause maybe than what I've been up to. I've just been working. (laughs) That's (laughs) Um, worthy. But uh, no, I mean, in addition to working, I've been busy writing. Um, Not everyone necessarily has this background, but before redeeming disorder before I met Laura, I had this sort of pipe dream to write about people's stories of overcoming disorder, profile them, share their personal experiences, and also weave in some of my views about mental health and research about mental health, and have actually started putting words on paper with that. And so I've been writing some prose doing some interviews and starting to write both about people's experiences with disorder starting with actually Laura and so I'm trying to put all that together and what you actually heard at the beginning of this show was a little bit of that writing and, which was
1: fantastic <laughs> thanks
0: yeah it, it's been you know a process of acknowledging that uh when you're writing often it's not going to be so good at first and mm-hmm. you have to sort of work through that but Uh, I'm excited about sharing some of that as we go on. You know, we did last season, we always had an excerpt from someone else. So I'm excited to have that be kind of in-house now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love hearing people's stories and what they think um, said out loud. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited for everybody to see what you're up to because it's going to be really cool.
0: I'm excited, too. And then logistically, we have a few new things. We're on a few new sources, right?
1: Yeah, so we're on Google Play now and on YouTube and uh, we have a few things on SoundCloud. I think with SoundCloud, we're going to just put on the most recent episodes. So if you use SoundCloud and that's your preferred mode of listening you'll be able to download the most recent one. Um, so each week, we'll probably take one away and put them in the most recent. Yeah. Um, but that's the deal with that. But yeah, so enjoy that. And then we also have a new website, finally. And that is redeemingdisorder.com. So be sure to check that out. And um, along with that, um, both Spencer and I, we just love getting the emails from people. That's been the most rewarding part, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. And so, we're actually starting a newsletter, and we're going to tell uh, if you sign up for it, you can sign up for it on our new website, which is redeemingdisorder.com. <laughs> yes. I'm really excited about it because I worked really hard. Yeah, Laura's on done
0: it. a ton of work. You definitely have her to thank for how good the website looks.
1: Yeah. Well, keep in mind, I'm not a graphic designer. So but, you know, but um, but yeah, sign up for our newsletter because we're going to kind of give you guys inside scoop there of uh, behind the scenes stuff when we're talking to guests like what's going on. And Spencer and I, we might share some stuff that we've been reflecting on in terms of mental health. And um, but mm-hmm. we just want a place for you guys to be able to interact with us.
0: Yeah. And speaking of guests, if you're wondering why mindfulness, why did we start this episode talking about mindfulness? It's because this episode we have an awesome guest who's coming on who we'll get into in a second. His name is Tyler Simmons. But uh, quickly before that, uh, I think this is a really important topic that uh, I'm just sort of curious, your perspective as well, Laura, that I think being aware of one's emotions, thoughts and feelings is so critical to climbing out of that hole of a mental disorder and Mm -hmm. uh, plays a really important role. So, I mean, what's your experience with mindfulness or your perspective on it? I know I'm super into this, but you've dabbled, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I Well, it's funny. I didn't know what it was called. Like, I feel like I was doing it, but not... I didn't know it was called mindfulness for a long time, mm-hmm. but um but yeah, I think like I've struggled with you know eating disorder, body image type stuff. Mm-hmm. and so for me, just like learning to um, be present and not worry and, and get so caught up in this negative loop about what I'm eating or the way I look or the way I feel, um, and just being really non-judgmental about that present moment, that's mindfulness yeah. and um' and Always so
0: chattering I've, to ourselves, you know, and you' yeah. probably it's been mindful of you to notice some of that chatter that hasn't been serving you right to, you know, you might subconsciously be thinking all kinds of crazy stuff and not even know you're thinking <laughs> it.
1: Yeah. I heard somebody say, um, if you, if we transmitted, I actually think it was Sam Harris cause you told me about him. Yeah. yeah. Um, people would think you're crazy <laughs> and I totally agree with that. I made me laugh, Yeah, but, um, which I mean, yeah. uh,
0: there's two sides to that. One is, Um, We shouldn't be so harsh on ourselves. But another is when we do see people who We have that judgment of we think they're crazy or we think something about them You know, maybe they're struggling with some condition and we have some judgment based on that Just remember that we all have some element of an untamed mind and we Mm -hmm. all have some element of disorder I think you can conceive of these crazy thoughts these recurring uh, this recurring dialogue or monologue, really, that you're having with yourself as something that, if unchecked, can can really lead you astray and can turn into a type of disorder of the mind.
1: Yeah, and I think that leads kind of, I mean, you're kind of going into what our newer mission is, but you want to tell everybody what that is?
0: Yeah, so I mean, basically, we want to go forward in Season 2 with that mindful focus, focusing on people's experiences, feelings, and thoughts, and... Broadening our coverage and covering, you know, different disorders that we haven't heard from, like bipolar disorder or other conditions, but at the same time focusing on experiences and symptoms rather than always labels. You will hear from some people during the season who don't have a formal diagnosis, and it's because really, you know, we started with these two groups, and our original mission was we wanted to make something relatable for people who had disorder and informative for people who didn't have disorder And although that is still our mission, those two groups definitely have a lot of bleeding together. Um, They're not necessarily so cleanly delineated. And one thing we want to focus on is the disorder that can come up and be relatable for anyone. That everyone can relate to these broader concepts of redemption and struggle and growth and disorder. And so whether you're describing symptoms, a cluster of symptoms, or a formal diagnosis, I think that will be relatable and informative for a broad spectrum of people. And basically all in all, we want to drive home the mission that these two groups don't need to be conceived of as existing on different planes, you know. We're all vulnerable to different types of disorders. Something could happen to us, you know. Someone might be depressed and someone might not be but the person who's not is vulnerable to those types of symptoms and the person who's depressed isn't hopeless there's nothing inherently wrong with them that they can't have a fulfilling life and so we really want to focus on disorder but in a way that brings people together rather than dividing people between the disordered and the healthy
1: and um, because we all go through hard things and it's okay to feel it's okay to not be okay it's okay to ask for help and that's really what we want this season to be about. Um, but going back to mindfulness, mm-hmm. I think that this is. I'm glad that we're starting the season with this subject, and I, I just I, I know that you have a lot of opinion about mindfulness. So I'd yeah. love for you to kind of talk about that.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I I basically it's just been a hugely helpful thing for me. Um, it's been gradual, but I have meditated now. Mindfulness meditation for I think it's like 160 days straight. Um, Whoa! And that's been important for me. I think it is important in general for someone starting up a practice that we spend our lives the way we spend our days. And you know, people are busy, but you can find five minutes. You know, you can find something. You can you can scrape by and uh, find some time to meditate. And so I sort of told myself, no matter what. I'm going to meditate every day because I know this is something where the benefits are gradual. And I think that's why a lot of people sort of start and stop meditating. Um,
1: (laughs) Raising my hand
0: here. (laughs) Like I actually did start and stop meditating for a super long time before Mm -hmm. I started this consistency because it's not something where you're going to readily connect the benefits to the practice. It's going to take a long time before you have good things happening in your life that you can really – confidently attribute to the fact that you're meditating and i think it's hard to you know if you go to the gym you're going to see your muscles get bigger pretty soon it's not necessarily the same way where um you kind of have to take a little bit of a leap of faith and trust that it's going to have benefits even if you're not seeing them in the short term um and so it's i'm really happy i've done it long story short and i don't want to spoil too much because we're going to talk about this with our guest, Mm -hmm. but uh it's it's I think a really powerful practice to grapple with the nature of the mind and uh what you're doing to yourself you know especially if you're struggling with a disorder or if you have negative self-talk or if you have a lot of subconscious schemas going on that you're not really aware of that are impacting you um yeah so yeah I I am actually really excited about our guest do you want to talk about him
1: Yeah. So, um, I found Tyler on Twitter of all places and, um, I feel like he sent me me an instant message, um, with a video and I was like, Oh, this is going to be like somebody trying to sell me something. (laughs) And it was so not that it was this amazing video, um, just telling his story in a very artistic, real and powerful way.
0: Was it his TEDx video?
1: No, this was his um, film that he made. He's a mm. director, and so he created this, and it's really incredible. It's him, and um, I think he he shows what it's like to be depressed in such a great way. Um, and um, but yeah, he's I I just can't wait to get him in and for him to tell his story. Uh, I think a lot of you will be able to relate to it. I I personally did, and we'll definitely have in the show notes all the stuff that he has going because he's very inspiring if you are on twitter make sure you follow him at tyler simmons
0: all right let's get into it
1: all right we're so excited to have Tyler Simmons with us today. He's a filmmaker, artist, writer, and entrepreneur, and he uses his talents to inspire others. Um, we, uh, I actually found Tyler on Twitter, um, and when I watched his amazing short film, which you guys really have to check out, I knew we had to have him on the podcast. So I know he has great things to say about mental health and about lot of other things. And so, Tyler, thanks so much for coming on. We're happy to have you here.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, we're super excited, Tyler. I We actually talked before we filmed our, or not filmed, before we started recording for our second season. (laughs) And we said, you know, we really can be like really complimentary toward guests. We should uh, not be too much (laughs) of pleasers or anything. And and then we were going to talk to you and I realized I'm actually really excited to talk to you. And that's going to be a little tough because I'm really into meditation myself and oh. um, so I'm actually just have a lot of curiosities of my own and I, I love the intersection with mental health and our audience but I mean if you want to start with that video because that was one of the first things I saw of you I thought it was really expressive and uh, effective in conveying some stuff that really just is so hard to convey what was the inspiration for that
2: yeah that was actually <clears throat> As I was making that, like my thought process was I want to make something that will help people understand what Mm -hmm. it's like going through anxiety and depression and even suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. That was actually inspired by a day that I had. And so when we filmed it, I actually... Took myself back to that moment and I made myself really anxious and it was really uncomfortable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I knew that I had to do that to get the message across in the right way and it got a lot of really great feedback because a lot of people even say to me now that they could that they can tell that I was actually anxious <laughs> while I was yeah in that yeah yeah
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, maybe that's part of what makes it so powerful. It really does seem incredibly authentic. It's not as if you're an actor playing a part. I can't imagine how uh, awkward and hard it was to do on camera.
2: Yeah, it was really awkward, but (laughs) I made it through, and I'm really satisfied with what I did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I really loved the part in that film where um, those of you who haven't seen it yet. He, there's this he's with his family and that there, it's like a, seems like a family reunion. There's just like so many people there, they're being loud, they're laughing and talking and getting food. And then there's you and you can see like there's this silent struggle going on that nobody's really aware of. Yeah. And I think that's what mental health is um, or mental illness. Really, it's, it's that feeling so alone and nobody gets it. And everybody else is kind of doing their own thing and there's all this noise. And then there's this battle going on inside.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's Uh, exactly how it was for me. Like, for years, since I was probably 14 years old. mm -hmm. Like, my family didn't know, my friends didn't know, and it was just me silently suffering. And Mm -hmm. it's crazy that I did that film with them in it because some of them didn't even like know that I went through that. Right. And then the day of shooting that, it was kind of like me just letting everybody know
0: about it. Wow. So did you tell them all sort of the entire intention of the film or did you say, Hey, I just want to shoot a film, you know, that's going to include our, you know, our family gathering.
2: I actually told everybody that we're having a party and like I got some of them like a bit buzzed from wine and stuff so they wouldn't <laughs> be
3: <laughs>
2: as nervous around. and I was like yeah we're gonna shoot a film and I just didn't tell them what it was gonna be about and then they all came to the screening and they were like wow we didn't know that you went through this but,
0: mm. yeah, yeah and it's it's a good thing you. It- it is so effective because it probably, I I think it's such a hard thing to convey to people and that was probably a good way to express it to them or to share it with them because I think uh, just explaining it in words, it can only go so far it seems like.
2: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: And I was reading an interview you did with uh, CBC news and you did talk about how your inspiration was growing up or part of it was growing up and uh, being sad for no reason, just not really knowing what was going on. Um, what's your what's your attitude or your mental response to symptoms these days, like compared to then? Because I feel like it's a big difference when you're in a shroud of depression. You don't really know what's going on. You can't even put a term to it. Versus when, as as you have, you've obviously thought a lot about mental health. You've thought a lot about um treatment and how your own thoughts play into your mood has it has the feeling changed
2: yeah it's um it's more of like i i have more of an understanding of it now Mm -hmm. like i before i just didn't know what was going on with me i knew that i was sad i knew that i would want to isolate myself and not talk to anybody for days at times and like I just didn't know how to get help I didn't I didn't even know that there was a way to get help yeah and now now it's like I have these great supports around me I have a great support system I have um, people that I can talk to about it and and I also like the Understanding part of it is really important because if I start to feel depressed now, Mm -hmm. I'll understand, oh, this is depression happening. And then I'll think, why am I starting to feel depressed? And then I'll be like, okay, there are different things that I can do. Yeah. Right. That can prevent me going into that deep, dark place again.
0: Well, the way you, you know, put yourself in that deep, dark place for the film, you said, was. By really channeling those feelings and I guess fueling the thoughts, and this relates to mindfulness, where it it does seem that you know any emotion or any mental state you can really fuel if you want to by giving energy to certain thoughts. So, do you kind of go another the other way when you're in your everyday life, or do you, what is your approach like then?
2: It's kind of like having that. You know, like on TV shows or cartoons when they have, like, the angel on one's shoulder and then <laughs> the devil on the other shoulder? Yeah, yeah. Like, that is kind of how I see my depression. Mm-hmm. Like, I see it as the devil on my shoulder. And it's like, oh, just hide away from everybody or, oh, just go drink or oh, go do this. Or, yeah. And I have to remember that I have that mindfulness like i have that peaceful thing on my shoulder too that Mm. angel on my shoulder that's like no don't do that because we know what that can get you into before the um voice the negative voice was i would let it in more but now i'm kind of just like oh just shut up like (laughs) what are you (laughs) you're not powerful
0: (laughs) yeah right yeah that's i mean again in meditating one thing that I found is like it really changes how you think about thoughts and I guess that could go for any kind of thought whether it's a depressed thought or not that they really have as much power as you give them.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I was listening to this podcast episode by Invisibilia, which actually sponsor you introduced me to. Um yeah, and I love one. it. It's really good. Um but they were talking about mindfulness and um how that's kind of a newer way to approach psychology and how we deal with our thoughts Um, because traditionally we think of thoughts as um, more in the Freudian way and that they have a lot of meaning and that there's something that we need to dig through Um, and but then there's another another way that focuses purely on behavior changes and then the newer thing where it's you know talking about mindfulness it's you know, knowing that that thought is there, but knowing like, oh, I don't actually have to let that thought have power over me. And I think it's really interesting. And I think it's really useful, especially I'm like somebody who feels a lot. And so knowing like, oh, that feeling is big, but I don't need to let that affect me so much today.
2: Mm Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean that's manifested in some sorts of therapies like mindfulness based um cognitive therapy and facing on or focusing on behavior.
1: Mhm. Well, I'd love to know um a little bit more about what it was like when you're 14 if you don't mind like just going into I know a lot of um you know, younger people listen to this. And so I think it'd be interesting to hear, what did you feel? When did it first come? How did did that all go down with like your family and friends?
2: When I was 14, I was, um, I was like, I was really sensitive and I felt a lot like you were just saying, Mm -hmm. I, um, questioned a lot and there were things that I would get very stressed about, like even I remember um when I was fourteen even like seeing homeless people and
3: mm-hmm.
2: I would just I just couldn't understand why there were so many buildings <laughs> but the homeless people couldn't stay in there at night and things like that, like things like that mm-hmm. would brought my mind a lot. And I think that me seeing the world in this way actually caused a lot of my depression because these are things that I would think all of the time. Like I have a family that um, would go to church every Sunday and I stopped going to church because I was, I remember thinking, like, there are people who are homeless that they don't let staying in this church. And I remember even saying that to my mom once, and she said, Well, I guess you have a valid reason. And, <laughs> yeah. like, but when I think about that now, I'm like, it was really like messing with my emotions and making me really sad and angry at times. And I started to withdraw from like interacting with people. I started to feel really sad and just angry, and I didn't know why. I would go to school, and I did have some friends because I was on sports teams, Mm -hmm. but it's just besides hanging out with the guys that I was playing sports with, I would just go off to myself and I was like a really deep thinker. And I would just think about the world really. And like, why are things I would always think, why are things so messed up? Why are things so messed up? So when I was 14 until like from 14 until probably, I would say about 18, I was just like really deep into my mind and just very, uh, a lot. I was letting a lot of the negativity into my mind and I wasn't really thinking much about the positive things in life. When I turned about 18 years old, that's when I started thinking in a different way. And I was like, okay, there are things that I don't like about the world in mm-hmm. that. We can improve on, but I need to, I need to focus on the good things too.
1: What brought that up? Did something happen or were you exposed to something or that made you Um, start changing?
2: I started seeing a psychiatrist and that helped a little bit. It didn't really help. Ton, but that helped a little bit, and then Mm -hmm. I, then I started meeting like um, a mental health nurse and all of these people who started showing me different things. Like I started learning about. um, I remember when I first read the Tao Te Ching. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: That was like, um, like when I read that book, I was reading it and I was like why haven't I been living my life this way like because it's Mm. it's sort of like just let things flow don't force things don't like don't feel like you need to change the world don't like just flow with life and I realized that that's kind of like like that's respecting the universe by just flowing with it and instead of like trying to manipulate it and trying to like
3: mm-hmm.
2: and just trying to question everything like i don't I'm never going to have the answers i realized i'm never I'm going to have some answers I'm never going to have all of the answers nobody is
0: right right
2: and me coming to terms with that and being like. Oh, that was my ego. A lot of that was my ego. A lot of that was my ego saying, Oh, you have to figure out how to fix this world all by (laughs) yourself. And like, (laughs) that's not possible for one person to do. Right. So I was putting a lot of pressure on myself since I was 14. Yeah, that's a
0: huge weight.
2: Yeah. And so I was, I remember reading that book and I was just like, Like every, every part of it, I was like, wow, this book seems like it was made for me. Like, it was just, it basically, basically the message of the book said to me, relax and just live. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: What was it like? um, So between 14 and 18, when you were, you know, feeling so strongly and, you know, going through the depression, What was, how do you think your family perceived you? Were they just kind of like, oh, that's just the way Tyler is? Or were they concerned or, um, what was that dynamic like?
2: Uh, some of them were, some of them did think, oh, that's just the way that Tyler is. And I was really quiet and I still am Mm -hmm. really quiet. And, and a lot of them would just think, oh, that's just Tyler's personality. But then there were the people who were closer to me in the family that kind of could see that I wasn't happy Mm -hmm. and they were concerned. And my mom was definitely somebody who helped me get that help that I needed.
1: That's neat.
0: Nice. And you said that, uh, your early experience with psychiatry wasn't extremely helpful. It was just somewhat helpful. Um, did you sort of turn to family when it came to that or to your mom when it came to that uh human uh, sympathetic touch because I know also in the article I read about you um you talk about you really want to bring uh like a human connection to medicine which I think is hard to find sometimes
2: Yeah the human connection is so important and I realize that that's the biggest like that's the biggest reason why i'm even able to do the things that i do now because even just having people even just having the people believe in me like Mm. even my mom like i remember her saying to me i know that you can get better like in like i could see it in her she was like Mm. Things going to be all right. And like things like that can help people. And I know that they can help people because it helped me. Like, yeah. People saying, just don't stop. And I'm thinking about you. Like, and just talking to me, talking me through the pain that I was going through. It helped a lot.
0: Yeah, I bet. Having someone understanding. Yeah.
1: I see. Uh, I've watched some of your other video. I feel like we're such creeps. We're like, we read this article and you we watched this video. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but anyway, I did watch this video and you talked a lot about um, just wanting to let people know that they're not alone. And that just seems like a theme for you of, you know, realizing that you're not alone and letting people in. Um, have you found community, you know, outside of your family that has helped?
2: I have. I have met a ton of great people that I'm regularly in contact with. And like right now, I work at a place called Langhouse. It's uh, for youth who are experiencing mental illness. And I do peer support work there with youth, and we I share experiences with them and we just hang out. We watch movies sometimes. Like it's, it's really cool because I'm able to just do things like with that. I'm able to just do what I love to do. Showing people that they, that they can get through it just the same way that I got through it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. Is the- Yeah. That's, is the hardest, I mean, do you, I imagine you have some things you do that you know are helping that are harder than others. I mean, you're a public speaker as well, which, uh, you know, for someone who has a experience of anxiety has to be challenging, right?
2: Yes, it's very challenging. I um, <laughs> I tell people it does not get easier, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, I think you said
0: something like that on your TED Talk.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But the thing about it is that it's the feeling of getting up in front of so many people and talking and being afraid every time and getting getting through it and Mm -hmm. feeling like, oh, wow, I just like, I probably just helped somebody or like, I probably just, like, let somebody know that they're not alone. Like, that feeling is so great. And just the feeling of doing something that you're afraid of doing, it makes you so much stronger.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I I always tell people now, like, after my very first talk that I did in front of a large group of people, I actually (laughs) was talking to my mom and I was like, I want to jump out of a plane now because (laughs) (laughs) of doing things that you're afraid of makes you so much stronger. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: It's so true. Definitely relatable. And it's, I mean, I like that you say, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you still get nervous, but you, that experience of being nervous and doing it anyway, and it going well is ingrained to the point that you can overcome that. And it's got it. Does that translate to other stuff? Like, Do you find, you know, in situations where you might have been impeded by a fear that you can overcome it sort of in the same way?
2: Yes, definitely. It gives me a lot more confidence. Like, it's taught me that it's mainly taught me that there's really nothing to be afraid of. Um, I feel that a lot of us know that it's not there that there's not really anything to be afraid of when it comes to public speaking Mm -hmm. sometimes people feel like oh what if i say the wrong thing what if i don't know what to say when i get up there or something like that and i've had these feelings when i got up there before and sometimes i would just turn it into a joke or something and i'd be (laughs) like in it's not the end of the world like right just the experience of public speaking has taught me that things can be heard and they can seem like they're the worst thing ever but mm-hmm. they're not actually that bad yeah
1: i one of my favorite authors, Liz Gilbert, um, she talks about that in her book, Big Magic. And she's saying, you know, fear is healthy. Like we, you know, we're risk adverse because, you know, that's just how we're made, and that's great. But yeah. some so it's okay to be afraid as you go through um, the creative process or as you're taking these risks, it's okay for fear to be there right by you, but you don't have to like totally believe it that all these, you know, worst case scenario is going to happen. And I, I thought that was really helpful.
0: Yeah. yeah, It's just another voice kind of like, and yeah. I, I, that's interesting. You say like, you know, we're naturally risk averse. We evolved to be risk averse because it does seem as if, sometimes it suits us but other times it really uh doesn't uh serve us you know when we're really scared what a stranger thinks of us or um we are really afraid to go and talk to a group or something um the truth is you know the cost of a social rebuttal or uh, a, a rejection or something is is not that high it's not necessarily as high as our emotions and feelings seem to indicate mhm so I mean, it's it's cool to hear you've come, been able to come through so much of that, and I guess reappraise it because probably when you were first dealing with this stuff, if if you're anything like I was, you you didn't really have any idea why you were feeling, what it was you were feeling, and then slowly figured it out. And I'm inspired by how how you have with meditation and other means. Um, are you if you're up for talking about the role meditation has played in that? I'd love to hear more about your practice.
2: Yeah, definitely. I um I've been meditating for probably 7 years now. Wow. Um I started off I think like most people in not really knowing how to meditate, I mm-hmm. guess. And um it just started to come like organically. Like I just kept trying and trying and trying and then it just came to me. And now Mm -hmm. it's, I'm at a place where if I feel anxious or stressed, I can just sit there and basically just be mindful of all of the things that are going through my head and just let them wash away kind of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah it's cool I think a lot of there are so many different perceptions about meditation and a lot of um uh i guess portrayals of it seem to portray it as being about some experience while meditating, some euphoric experience which you know could happen, but uh then kind of underestimate its potential in your everyday life to you know just while you're in a situation and feeling a certain way to be mindful of that,
2: yeah i I al- I also like I tell people a lot that you don't need to just be sitting there to meditate you mm-hmm. like a lot of my meditation is when I'm like walking around doing things and I'm just yeah. being mindful of like my feet hitting the floor or my, like just the smallest things that I don't really think about and I'm just trying to be here in right. this very moment
0: yeah right yeah and uh really like that idea that it doesn't have to be a dogma or taught in an exact certain way or within a certain uh discipline that you can really it's 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 very versatile and universal it seems like yeah
1: so for somebody who um i'm a little new to meditation so um could you maybe explain what it is like Um, Like maybe what would the first step would be for somebody, either of you guys.
0: I think the, you you got this one, Tyler. (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) what I tell people is to just be here. Like there's so much all the time and I do it all the time. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to (laughs) stop thinking of the past and the future. Like, but like, just try and stop thinking about the past so much and the future so much and just being here right now. Like what's happening at this very moment? What thoughts are going through your head at this very moment? How do you feel at this very moment And just connecting with that? And I think that that would be the best way to start.
1: Mm. Yeah. I like what you were saying about you know, thinking about your feet hitting the ground and I, yeah. I use, medita- I guess I use mindfulness. I don't know. What's the difference between meditation and <laughs> mindfulness?
2: <laughs> um, I honestly kind of put two, the two together
1: now. Okay,
0: I think there are types of meditation that aren't mindfulness okay. meditation necessarily, but, right. but they're they're really closely linked. Okay.
1: Well, I use mindfulness then, um, when I'm like working out in a gym and it's, I find it really helpful because, you know, you're just focusing on like how your body is feeling at that moment. Um, and, and so I'm, I try to teach my clients that too. So it helps them like avoid injury and also just like really focus on like how powerful their body is, which is cool.
3: Thanks. Um, could
1: you, Sorry, no, can you talking- talk a little yeah. bit about um authenticity? I know that's really important to you, and that's really important to me too. I just am curious about what your journey has been with that. Um, and I'm sure doing the films like in my mind has been a big part of being authentic.
2: Yeah, um, it's so important, like the times. I think I think back about the times when I was really depressed and really down mm-hmm. and most of those times I was looking to external things in or external like I was looking to other people and yes. thinking like, oh yeah. I need to be that person I need to act like that person because that person is normal or because mm-hmm. that person gets accepted when really I all along, I was just supposed to be looking within myself. And once you realize that things become a lot easier. Well, they came, things became a lot easier for me when I started to do that. And I started to um, love myself a lot more. And I didn't really think about, I started thinking like, oh, I don't, want to be like anybody else like why would i want to be like anybody else there's this person right here that is pretty cool guy <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. so um i think that authenticity is really really important especially now like even with like instagram and twitter and mm, facebook yeah. i see it all the time i have like friends that will Go on social media and look at people's lives for hours, in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I, not, and look at like their uh, fragmented portrayal of their lives. You know, yeah,
2: exactly. And it makes them feel bad about themselves because they think that this person is positive twenty four seven and that they're happy twenty four seven and stuff. And they're like, oh, I need to be like this person. But that's not really how life is like, right. and I think that more people need to talk about that too, like let people know like it's really like we may see these people on Instagram that are seeming like they're happy twenty four seven and <laughs> they have the best it seems like they have the best life, but mhm. That's not real. Like right. nobody is happy 24/7. And
1: yeah, it's like everybody's highlight reel.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like ego on on steroids kind of.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh and that's such a good point. It seems like the evidence pi- is piling up that social media does take us away from happiness in certain ways. And I love how you related that to authenticity because it does seem like there's a strong link between depression and uh lacking authenticity or just not being with oneself and being with reality. It seems related to a disconnection with reality just from what I've. Yeah. What I've like my hunch, I guess after meditating some and having experienced depression.
2: Yeah. I, I definitely would say
0: the same thing. Like thinking you need to be something or do something. And it, ego is so tricky too, because it's like, I think meditation and especially like meditation circles a lot of the dialogue around it um says you know like the ego is the enemy you want to kill the ego and I feel like it's it's so nuanced because like you are an ego and to exist you need an ego it, and and it I guess feeding too much into it can take you away from happiness but at the same time you can't just deny its existence it's it's very tricky
2: yeah it's Really, like, um, I look at it kind of like you have to find a balance and make sure that you're not, make sure that you're, it's okay to, it's okay for the ego to be there. Yeah. And you can accept it, Mm -hmm. just don't let it take over.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. It's like a thought, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sort of like one of the people on your shoulder yeah yeah I don't know these things just for uh I haven't even meditated for one year and I'm always sort of ruminating about these ideas and uh questioning myself and questioning my practice and attitudes about this and I feel confused a lot of the time so it's just good to hear your perspective as someone who's done it a lot longer and experienced so much in the mental health realm
2: yeah and um One thing that I do now is um, I go to the flotation tank, sensory deprivation tank. Oh, Oh, wow. And I feel that that actually is like, for me, that's actually like meditation (laughs) on steroids. (laughs) And it's really good for me. And I... Every time that I get out of the tank I actually feel like I've been reborn. It's like the best feeling.
0: Oh that's Fascinating. I go. <laughs> wait, so this is a how does this work? I, I don't actually know uh, of this practice of a flotation tank.
2: It's a tank filled up with um, filled up with salt water mm. and you just lay you get inside the tank and it's pitch dark in there and you just float on the water. And you float on the water for about an hour and 45 minutes. Wow. And sometimes it feels like it's only 15
3: minutes
2: (laughs) because it's all dark. You can't hear anything. You can't see anything. You're just stuck in there with your mind. And after a while, your mind starts to adapt to where you are and something happens something special happens i I can't explain exactly what happens, but i know I just know that it um it puts me into a really deep meditation, and it's something special about like being disconnected from everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just you inside of this tank where there's nothing else but you, and that's it but because we're not really. We don't really experience that often. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think we
0: experience that. <laughs> Certainly with smartphones, some of us never do.
2: <laughs> yeah. And especially like inside of something where you can't hear any outside noises, you can't see anything, and it's literally just you focusing on your brain. Mm. It's a really powerful experience. Yeah,
0: I could see that being like a meditation retreat. <laughs>
1: Do you ever feel claustrophobic? <laughs> I got I kept thinking that um,
0: the
2: very first two times I went there I was pretty claustrophobic. Yeah. But I started to get used to it and now it's really just like it's it's really easy now.
0: Mm. That's so cool. Fascinating.
1: And no, I don't like you
0: kind of need to work up to it as well. I yeah. mean, I, I don't oh. imagine the average person off the street is quite ready to, honestly, is quite ready to be with themselves and nothing else for just for that long of a period of time.
2: Yeah, most people that I've spoken to say that they would never try it because they don't want to spend that much time with just themselves. <laughs> and I <they laughs> understand why, like I understand it makes mm-hmm. sense, but I think that it's good for you if you want to have that deeper connection with yourself
1: Mm. yeah are there any other um types of therapies that you've tried
2: um I have done neurofeedback before oh interesting
1: oh can you talk about that one of my friends was telling me and I didn't quite understand
2: so I'm not an expert and I, and I don't (laughs) know exactly what happened, but I do know that it helped. (laughs) I just, I just know that I was, um, I went to see this lady. She, um, and she hooked me up to like the machine, the neurofeedback machine and stuff. And Mm -hmm. she put on a movie that would make me feel emotional and. Every time that I began to get stressed, the movie would pause. Wow. And she would tell me to focus on making the movie play. So it was kind of like she didn't tell me to stop being stressed, but she would just say, focus on making the movie play. And... Then I started to realize that there's this way that I could just stop being stressed, like huh. it was like I could just turn the switch in my brain, <laughs> and then the movie would start playing
0: It's interesting, wow, it really That's so cool. cool
2: it was really cool because, like after a while, I was like I would get stressed, and then I would just be like, "Oh, I can just turn the switch and then i would it was like I was just turning the stress off
3: <laughs> wow.
0: Cool. that's cool she re- reframed it kind of said focus on playing it focus on maybe you focused on feeling something else rather than feeling like oh end the stress kill the stress you know yeah. which is just focusing on the stress that's really cool
2: yeah yeah and i only went there once and my thing is when i try different things if i feel like i've gotten a really good experience out of it and I don't really need to keep going back I'm just not going to keep going back so mm-hmm. only went once because I was like wow that I didn't know that like my brain could do that
3: <laughs> hmm.
0: yeah that's really cool it's cool that you're willing to try so much as well and that's got to be really helpful when you're because there, there's a lot of different options out there and I I've got to imagine it's not one size fits all that some people would really do better in other in certain um approaches or treatments. Yeah, definitely.
1: I'd love to know um like what you would like to change about the mental health yeah. world right now.
0: Could be healthcare or anything else.
2: The main thing that I want to well that i hope changes about the healthcare system is that the doctors and the psychiatrists and psychologists like everyone even the receptionists like all of them just treat people with respect and actually like genuinely care about each other like yeah. Like, when I was going, when I first started going to the doctor, I was really uncomfortable when I was going to the doctor about my um, mental health. Mm-hmm. Because this is something that's, like, it's, like, I'm basically letting somebody close to, like, my dark secrets. Like,
3: mm-hmm.
2: my mental health was, like, my dark secret. And to have people not really seem like they care about you when you're bringing this thing to them that you don't tell anybody about that can that can lead to things like suicide and lead to like just even more depression because you're feeling like oh well like these people that are supposed to be helping me don't even care
3: yeah mm-hmm.
2: and i think that i've i've finally found the people who genuinely care about me. But I think that there needs to be a lot more doctors who really genuinely care about people, like asking them about their days, asking them how their life is at home and just Mm -hmm. have conversation with them. I think that's so important.
1: Do you think, um, I think a lot of doctors, their job is to fix things. Yeah. And I think when that's your perspective, you don't necessarily think about the whole person and and you know what they're experiencing. Do you did you feel that way when you went to see your psychiatrist like maybe he was just there to like figure out what's wrong and then fix it?
2: Yes, I did. Um I kind of felt like he was just like reading off of a script and mm-hmm. <laughs> just Being like, oh, you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. And I really, when I think back about it, I really just wanted someone to talk to and to really care about my life. Yeah, That's what a lot of people want. They just want people to actually care about them and actually... Have good conversation with them and aren't just wondering. Oh, do I do this tomorrow? Do I do that tomorrow? Do I take this pill? Do I? No, (laughs) just want to talk and actually know you care about us.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've got so much faith in science as a society that sometimes we don't achieve a balance between that and the other side. I guess between analysis and empathy. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that like, and I do think it's shifting and there are other, uh, options out there, but you know, it's, it's interesting that when people think, you know, you have a mental health issue or you're depressed, oh, the solution is a psychiatrist or, you know, a problem solving mechanism that that's our go-to, you know, rather than some kind of middle way between that, which, you know, I'm not saying science is worthless. It's certainly not. And care a human to talk to
2: yeah and i've realized that all of those things working together
3: Mm -hmm.
2: they are so powerful like if you can find the right medication if that's what you need and then you find the right psychologist if that's what you need and then you have the support system of people who genuinely care about you then it's really hard for you to not to not feel good about that like Mm -hmm. and that's what i finally have like i have all of those things and it's like the perfect balance now Mm
3: -hmm.
0: would you have like a top tip for someone who's still struggling to find that balance or maybe they tried one thing and it didn't work or they, they went to a therapist and they might need a medication. They went to a psychiatrist and didn't feel as if they were really being connected with.
2: I would say just keep going. And as much as it sucks, (laughs) when it's like you, like you want to keep going and sometimes it is, it feels like it's too hard to keep going and you want to give up. Just keep going and keep asking questions and know that this is like that you can take control of this. Just keep asking questions. If you have a doctor, ask as you even if you think it's like a stupid question, just ask it. Mm -hmm. Just keep asking questions and figure out what is going to help you keep changing medications if you have to do that keep seeing different people if you have to do that just keep trying to figure it out
0: very cool yeah trying new things i mean i i I love that you've lived that and can say it's value because i it definitely seems as if that's a important strategy that is sometimes hard to pull off and it's hard to really like make yourself walk through the door and your third try at finding a therapist that you work with, for example. Um, But it's cool to hear, you know, the value you see in that after having gone down that road for so long. Mm -hmm.
1: What, what would you um, just, if you could imagine you're talking to your 14 year old self, what would something that you would say to him?
2: Um, I would tell him that, I would say you are you're powerful and you can you're powerful and you can actually do the things that you want to do in life. You Hmm. don't just because you feel this way about yourself doesn't mean that that's actually how it is. And There are people all around you who you think seem quote unquote normal, but they're going through stuff too. And Mm -hmm. we're all going through stuff. So stop feeling like you're the only one and just reach out to them and let them know you know that they're going through stuff too. So let's go through this stuff together.
0: I love that. It's awesome. Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks a ton for everything. I think that you have a lot to say for that's going to be of use to people in those positions, whether they're young or old, trying to seek help for themselves. It's really cool. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Yeah, do you have anything coming up, Tyler, that you want people to know about or anything that you want to promote?
2: Uh, right now, I'm just um, working on a few things um, like... I'm just trying to put together a few things. Like I'm trying to put together like a book of poetry and stuff like that. Like um, oh, wow. trying to work on a new film. I'm trying to figure out exactly which direction I want to take that in. This time I want it to be a full length feature film. And <clears throat> I'm just really expecting. I'm experiencing a lot of new things and I'm just, I'm just putting myself in a lot of different and um, a lot of different situations. Like um, I'm interacting more with like people in the LGBTQ community and seeing how they are affected by things and uh-huh. seeing that so many of them deal with mental illness and why, so many of them deal with mental illness and why so many of them commit suicide. And even people from like different diverse communities, like how they deal with mental illness and how most people in the black community don't even go to doctors about their mental illness deal Mm. because of this, um, Because of all of these different reasons, like pride and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. just really interesting. And I'm just trying to bring everybody together and show people we need to, we need to be there for each other and we can all be so much happier if we're all there for each other.
3: hmm
0: Yeah. Awesome. And if people That's want awesome. to connect to you, do you have a preferred way?
2: Uh people can email me at info at and I do reply to well, I try to reply to all of my emails. People can message me on Twitter at Tyler Simmons and Follow
1: him on Twitter. His tweets are great.
2: (laughs) Yes. And um, to go back on one of the topics that I was talking about earlier, about the um, social media thing, um, Mm -hmm. I was actually, I was actually thinking about that topic um, like a few days ago and Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm seeing way too much stuff that I don't need to see. Mm -hmm. And, I t- and I started telling other people like stop looking at things that you don't need to look at so I just unfollowed everybody on my Twitter and I followed nice. and in the process of unfollowing everyone on my Instagram <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a um like I, I'm I hope that people aren't taking it personal it's I just, took
1: it so personal I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> I just really respect that i mean i i so agree it it gets to be way too much it's like too much noise
2: yeah so now i'm like following just people that are like that i'm inspired by creating
0: mm-hmm. right
2: like when they um their art or something like that like if i'm inspired by an artist i'll follow that person and it's it helps me with my creativity and even with my writing and stuff like that
1: Yeah, Yeah, I love that. It's like all the good parts of social media.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because it's not, I mean, it's all about how you use it ultimately. I I don't think that social media is the devil or anything. I just think that the way it's used often has some negative repercussions.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, thanks a ton for talking to us. I think Yeah, there's a ton here for everyone listening. So yeah, we appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much,
2: Tyler. Thank you. I appreciate it a lot.
0: As always, to stay in touch with us by email and hear about the podcast behind the scenes, you can visit us on redeemingdisorder.com.
1: And special thanks to Hetty, who donated our theme music from her song Shipwrecking Me from her latest album. Be sure to check it out at HettyMusic.com.
0: Join us next week, and until then, we hope you feel empowered to start a conversation of your own.
1: Dude, getting back into this is tough. <laughs> yeah. <it> is hard. <laughs> okay. Um. I'm. Should we do that spiel again?
0: Sure. Where do you want to just?
1: Yeah. I. Uh, getting back into the like talking is tough. Yeah. I think we okay. should. Uh,
0: all right. Hello and welcome back to Redeeming Disorder. We are here with another season now, season two. Season two.
1: Whoop. <laughs> 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 That was stupid. Redo that. <laughs> I thought it was good, but we can redo it. <laughs> At <least you> didn't <laughs> At least you didn't say, Woo <laughs>